And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. It is a great honor to once again be in the presence of Swami Sachidinan, come to know her as Reverend Sally Perry. Perry. She is a healer. She is a profound teacher. I have to tell you that every time I'm in her presence, I just, I don't know, I feel really good. I definitely feel I'm in the presence of uh, somebody who's wise. Swami Satchitanan, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Thank you. When we spoke a few years ago, the world was going through some changes. And I'm curious to know, based on how you observe the world and how you observe human consciousness, where do you think things are going right now? Are you hopeful about the future? Are you concerned about the way things are? Or is this just something that needs to be observed with a non-judgmental eye and just say that this is just the human experience and this is just the, the spirit experience? First of all, yes, no judgment, because judgment connects you to it, disconnects you from your heart self. So we don't want to judge it. But uh, maybe 25 or 30 years ago, I was told that the Amy Fishers in the Rodney uh, reading in California, all everything would come out of the gutter to the light of day to be healed. And I have in these times felt that we're getting to the bottom of the gutter that's being cleaned and cleared on all levels. So I'm happy. It's been a long journey, but the journey is all about the journey and being present with whatever it is that's going on. Okay. And... You mentioned that when you see something outrageous, when you see something you disagree with, it, it is to not condemn it because you don't want to align to it. In certain circumstances, right. we've had people that have risen to power because people have not spoken out. You think about your, your dictators like Hitler and other people that have come to power because there hasn't been a significant pushback. Do you feel that in some capacity that by not speaking out and by not calling out something that is evil, you are in effect hurting yourself and hurting others by not calling out what should be? Because it does take courage to call out someone who's acting evil, especially if they're very powerful. I mean, is there is it is it better is it a better virtue to not mention anything, or is it a better virtue to actually call out evil? even though it could put you in a precarious position? You give power to what you call out. Remembering that the faults are four volts of electricity. When you speak something, it's 10 times stronger. When you write, it's 50 times stronger. So yes, there's souls of us that are given 
the uh, opportunity to speak out. And if your soul feels that you need to, then do it. But do it without judging it. If you judge it, then you get stuck in it. You get stuck in the anger and you're arguing back and forth. And argument, it, it, it's, it takes you into the dark side. And so the best thing to do is not judge it, but act on what you need to act on with your heart and mind so you don't react. Okay. And you mentioned that by taking, by utilizing anger, by getting into anger, you go to a dark side. But then at the same time, I I think about, okay, well, there are certain circumstances where you have all these array of emotions and sometimes people associate them with positive or negativity. Sometimes a person will, okay, well, they'll be crying and will assume, okay, well, they're crying because obviously something horrible has happened. But no, sometimes people cry tears of joy. And then you see a person who's very happy and you say, okay, well, they're happy because they're in a higher vibrational state. Well, what if that person is happy because... Uh, there is pain being inflicted upon others. And what I'm curious to know is we think about the intensity and the powerful uh, aspect of all these emotions. And we see how sometimes people utilize traditionally held emotions for different reasons or have them for different reasons. Is there any particular emotion or state of grace that a person can, can be in, which does not have any kind of judgment associated with it, which is ultimately the best state of being one could possibly be in at all given times? Well, judgment takes a very long time to accomplish, or I should say non-judgment. I probably worked on it 15 or 20 years. And then for a while, you may get tested. And I was actually tested on a uh, meeting that was videoed of being speaking about the divine female. And one lady started putting the male down all the way down to the word fellowship. And I jumped up and immediately started uh, on a negative calling her out and realized what I was doing, immediately apologized right on the video and said, uh, you're not understanding even fellowship, but I will sit down. And a minister in the crowd stood up and said, well, I can speak. And he told her to go on Google and find out what fellowship was about. And it wasn't uh, for the divine feminine to put anybody down, really. Fellowship meant all people, not men. See, and All that's right. from the divine feminine. That's from the divine feminine. She does not judge when she is in that higher level. And the men have the feminine side and the masculine side. And the feminine energy is to hold the energy. So the best tool in doing that is non-judgment. Because the minute you judge it, again, you attach to it and you detach from your higher self within you. So if you want, yes, go ahead. No, that that, that makes a lot of sense. So I just, 
I wonder how do you how does one necessarily become a warrior uh, of light and be a um, a force of positivity that would counterbalance the negativity if you are not necessarily calling it out? Because some people will say, okay, well, look, I, I don't, I'm not calling this this evil out because I want to be aligned to it. I'm, I'm mentioning and not raising awareness about it because I perceive that evil to be destructive. And by raising awareness of that particular evil, I bring concern to others who in turn could take action to not allow that evil to spread further or to diminish its capability. I, I, I run to this thing. I, I know this is probably a metaphysical conundrum. And this is, I know that you, you see things at a different level and uh, I don't have the, the, the wisdom that you do, but, at least in my experience in this, from the perspective there's of the, always, yeah. There's always good and evil, negative and positive, always. That's why we're in a duality. But as you grow spiritually and become more into the oneness of the Supreme Soul, you have to use tools to counter your thoughts. And that takes awareness. That's why awareness is about the most greatest gift besides prayer to God. And prayer is asking. Meditation is listening. But most people enter in already with, even you watch people in a lecture. And somebody can be speaking the highest truth and you've got someone interrupting and wanting to argue. And that brings darkness in. Arguing is the ego. Even if you are in your higher self and you come down and start arguing with someone, you're in your ego. The ego has not surrendered to its higher self. And then the other thing is you still think you're the doer. If you are the doer, you will know it and be in it. And the light will be with you. If you need to bring something down, you do it with truth and help. And that comes. And But once you try to do it yourself, you're acting in ego. Okay. That's and... why some people win a court case. And the same thing with the other ones, they don't. Because the ones that do realize they're not the doer, it's like the presence, the higher presence within them is working. So Ryan, if you're called into something, you will know if you meditate and you stay connected with your heart and mind how to act. But you don't, uh, you don't judge it. This is not for me, but this is for me to act on. I will sign petitions, I will put up money, I will go to court and testify, I will do what I need to do, because the higher self is working through me. I am not the doer. That's what the natives talk about becoming the hollow bone. So you're just, well, you're just like the facilitator of the light or facilitator of the consciousness and you kind of. That's right. That's right. Okay. It, would that be a particular reason why, or could be a particular reason why some people feel stagnant? I mean, how do you, 
how do you know when you when you are in the flow when you are doing the purpose that life has set you out for beforehand uh, there's some indications that you can tell where you're on that path or some indications where you, you're absolutely not on the path okay i teach uh and i've just recently added i used to teach the three a's but now because of a Methodist minister that's been with me and been to India, he keeps asking me about awareness. So I've now added the four H's. So number one, you have to be aware of the situation. Number two, you have to acknowledge what, if your parents brought you up to be a certain thing or a certain religion, acknowledge it. And then as you get older, maybe even out of college and stuff, you have to accept what part of those teachings and your awareness that you want to accept as yours. They become part of your consciousness. I mean, like for me, I used to be raised up in the holy roller type, and I went to my aunt and uncle that was Methodist and on and on, and then for 17 years, I didn't do anything and started with unity to be a minister and met the medicine man. So it takes a lot to get your real life pattern because you've got to do your karmic pattern first. So, uh, okay, when it comes to your karmic pattern, how do you know? I because it's it's you know, in the experiences of talking with you. And being in your presence, uh, I always feel that there's just so much that I wish, I mean, I wish people came into this reality with a bit of a guidebook. I mean, it seems like all these things that you, you learn, you, you learn, you have the capability of learning much later. It seems like you're, you're brought in, you, you, you get put into these systems. So, I mean, how do you know what your karmic you know, cycle is? And how, I mean, is it? Well, I think that yeah. the karma is hard. And most of the time, I say that most people have their karmic uh, dialogue to go through till they're about 50. Some people, I was offered at 35, but I wanted to play in the world till I was 50. So I kept on with some karma till I was like 50 years old. But then everything was speeded up for me. Uh, when it, it's like once you accept anything, that's when the flow comes. That's my fourth thing in that teaching. You know, it comes from awareness, acknowledgement of what you've been taught, and then what you accept is yours. And then the fourth thing is once you accept something, so many people get stuck in not being worthy. Uh, they don't have enough. They're not smart enough. Uh, they can't do enough. All that. They have to get where they accept their self for that higher energy to come on in. By that time, then you can allow it. And that's when things start flowing. So if you've got an issue and it's not working one time and then you're asking what is the lesson and you're working on the lesson and once you get the lesson of what's going on because we're never a victim god does not make victims people make victims people make themselves a victim they get stuck in that consciousness lifetime after lifetime 
So sometimes it's very hard to get out of that. But once you do, you accept yourself and that God is is in you, in everything, then the more you accept that, the flow comes. And maybe that opportunity on a higher level will come for you for a higher job or whatever. And then it starts flowing. So you know that what that other was all about, you learned the lesson. And then you got your blessing. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to go a little bit into forgiveness because I want to ask, I want to share everyone that um, when we met recently, I was asking you the nonstop questions. Like I'm like, that was just again, again, like nonstop. I just, I can't stop asking questions. And you had wanted me to, to focus on something. And of course me and my usual way, I was asking a question upon another question upon another question. And I, 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 I understood, I mean, I didn't visually understand, but I, 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 I understood, I, I, I felt the lesson. I understand what you, I understood what you were trying to, to teach me when people start doing this work and they start going into the aspects of trying to forgive others. If there is an energy or frequency uh, that they're not aware of, if there's something there that they, they cannot tell is there, why is it so imperative to do forgiveness work, even if they suspect that they that they believe, at least on a conscious level, that there is no forgiveness to be determined? Why why does why do you do forgiveness work, uh, regardless if you believe something could be bad or not? What is the virtue and the benefit of doing forgiveness work? Well, what I've said to some people that's been molested by their fathers and brothers and passed around, uh, do it for me. They did. And the when forgiveness they... is the key. The forgiveness work is the key that unlocks the heart. And the heart has to connect to the mind to be working on a higher level. Otherwise, uh, using uh, the lower heart, if you see something, maybe you'll give everything away and not keep enough for you. That is conditional thinking that's not unconditional love i'm talking about from the energy of unconditional love and that doesn't mean you would go back and for uh if you don't want to go to family dinners it involves you know you you can do that but you don't still keep, see, even resentment is subtle anger. And anger tears a hole in the ethereal field. And that's where the demons can come in. Or the lower beings and bars that hang out there or just on the earth. It's all energy. It's all energy. Okay. Um, I did this thing, Swami, a few months ago, where I reached out to, sorry, I did this thing a few months ago, where I reached out to uh, some kid I went to school with an elementary school. I was nine years old, and I wasn't very nice to him. So I, I, I tracked him down. This is almost 40 years after it happened, and I just I called him up, and I apologized to him for what I did when I was a kid. He was 
very yeah. startled. He was really startled, <laughs> really startled yeah. by it. But you know, I I felt really, I felt really good, and I know he felt really good. And I could tell it actually. I could just feel it. It, it was something that really um, was good for him. And I'm wondering if you go through your life and you've had issues with people, even if you were a, a child, and you forgive and they forgive you. Does that clear up energy on a deeper level because it uh, at the earlier age? Because it is, is that like when your your subconscious is in its early formation? So does this forgiveness work more impactful the younger the age that it, it happens, or you do the work, or is it more meaningful at an older age? It doesn't it... matter. It okay. doesn't matter with energy. There's no time and space. Okay. It doesn't matter, but it heals. When I first started studying, wanting to be a unity minister back in the end of the 70s, I'd been in business and I was mean because I was bought up with a lot of pain. So meanness comes from feeling let down and nobody cares. So I had to learn that I carried that energy. And I went back and wrote letters and called and had lunch with people I felt I had uh, hurt or done wrong by. And uh, one was a Jewish lawyer, and I did not know that they have a whole time. I can't remember what it's called in it because I have several clients that, that are Jewish. And a lot of people used to think that I was Jewish from the things I was teaching, but I felt like it must come from other lifetimes. But they do a forgiveness work every year. They have certain times that they do that. And that's what he, he, he called me and he said, I'll send you a letter, but I long ago forgave you. You know, so it's according, you know, to their spiritual growth. And it doesn't matter whether they accept it or not, or they're dead. You release yourself from the energy, and it no longer bothers you. So if you have to write for three, 21 days takes it into the subconscious when you're on the earth. I don't know how many days if they're past, but it also works there. Just like praying, when people leave you can still pray for the soul of your mother and father or friend and with native american they do what they call a, a keeping of the soul for a year they don't give away anything they till a year and then they do prayers and they release the soul and ask god to take it on great spirit take it on and then they give away stuff in India, they have pictures for at least a year, big pictures of their parents on the wall. And that's just to remember to pray for them. Because most Indian people have a little altar uh, in their home. And they pray every morning before they start their day. So then their first thing is praying for the souls that have gone on. Okay. See, so, life is eternal. The soul is eternal. So if you don't clear it up now, you'll just you take your strongest thought. 
your emotions and your heart, and it'll just keep on keeping on. Life after life after life. So some of the things that I've worked with is uh, on the abuse. I mean, my own stepfather uh, killed me in another life. So later, when I had that vision and was really finally able to forgive him, I thought, at least he didn't kill me in this life. You know? So it's as... That must have been... I imagine that would be really intense to know that. It, it was, but what made me leave, I got my mother connected. He was 20 years older than her, and he, uh, you know, had mother had nothing. He had a beautiful home and let me set the wedding and all that, and even picked out her engagement ring, everything. And I had worked and did books for him, but my aunt kept saying, you wait till they get married. And immediately he said he couldn't pay me anymore. All this in the fire, because his soul's gone on, and I've made uh, restitution for my soul part. But uh, one time he come at me with his fist, and I just said, so help me God, if you hit me, I'll kill you. And I'm only 16. So my aunt that did not have children, knew there was problems. And she always said, you can come and live with me and your uncle. So I I got a friend to drive me out so I could use a payphone at the time and called my aunt. She said, you want to come now? I said, no, I want to finish the school year so that I can uh, go down to live with them. He was a city marshal in a little town in South Florida. So that's personal. See, I believe that a true teacher uh, gets to the real truth of things because they've experienced it. And I try to teach from my own experience, but from the knowledge that I brought in with me from the Unity Church, I got knowledge. From the Native American, I got knowledge. And now with the Swami, I got further knowledge. So I combine it for whatever is needed. Hey. So you have knowledge you brought in with you, just like your son. Swami, what is the one thing that a person can do to heal themselves in 2023 and to really improve and accelerate their learning in this coming year? Meditation, number one. Get a good teacher to teach you meditation. Uh, There's different programs, but a lot of people don't know. I'll be willing sometime to do a phone call with you to see what the best meditation is. Uh, Forgiveness is the next thing. And if you understand the medicine wheel, Swami says it's the same thing he teaches. And of course, uh, the Indian teachings are so old and ancient. They're probably, the Upanishads is probably the oldest, most ancient teachings on the earth. But he said, 
that the Native American that I'm teaching from, the East is the mental, which is your builder and destroyer. The South is your emotional. The West is your physical. And the North is your spiritual. And you come to the center. It's Father, Mother, God, and the inner child healing. So a lot of people get stuck in their minds. Others get stuck in their emotions. And it ends up in the physical world with them. That's the reason I do people. I don't usually work with them unless they've done for 30 to 60, 90 days of forgiveness work. On On their parents first, on their spouses, even on your child because you get aggravated with them, you know? And you don't want that to build up. Yeah. Uh, make sure you're safe and uh, don't drive them yeah. too, don't drive them too crazy. Swami Satchidanand, <laughs> I want to thank you so much. Again, Swami is a uh, visionary spiritual healer, and she's also the author of Chronicles of a Healer, She Who Dances. You can learn more about Swami by going to her website at revsallyperry.net. We'll post a link. Swami Satchidanand on this winter solstice. Well, when we tape this, thank you so much. Uh, abundance of love and peace and healing upon you. And uh, thank you for all that you do. I love you. Namaste and lots of love to you and the world and Ukraine and Peru. We pray for Peru now, too. I love you. Love you, too. Oh, Shanti. God, peace. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Unlimited Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guests, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Unlimited Inner Truth, please go to our website at outlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.